Would you turn please to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4. We've been talking about, the title of the teaching is The Truth About Temptation and What is the Good News About the Truth. It will make you free. And uh, I know, oh, months and months ago, Phyllis and I were out of town for a little bit, and I think I shared with you in the middle of the night one night, uh, the Lord began to talk to me about this. I don't mean to heard an audible voice, but in my spirit. And among other things, he caused me to understand, revealed to me, he said, uh, so many of my people are not even acknowledging that they are tempted. They think it says something uh, negative about them to be ashamed of, makes them a bad person to acknowledge that they are tempted in an area. Because they're not acknowledging it, they're not dealing with it. I understand you're not dealing with what you're not even acknowledging is going on. And it's one of the reasons why so many people are falling in sin so frequently and you know we don't like to talk about it as a Christian people as church people people like to you know dress up and clean up and come in church and sing holy and act holy and everything's wonderful but the truth is people are failing right and left and they're condemned and they're miserable and they feel so bad about it, and they cry, and then they'll go do it again next week. Yes. Hmm? Yes. And that's bondage. bondage. Somebody say bondage. Bondage. Has Jesus already done enough to set us free from that? Yes. Is there enough power in what he has done in redemption yes. that we could live free? Yes. We could live free from sin. Amen. We could live Amen. without falling. Well, it's true. Now, a lot of people don't believe it, you know, even in the church. It's taught, well, we're just old sinners, saved by grace. And the implication is, you're a sinner, you're going to sin. You cannot make it through a day without sinning because you're a sinner, and we're all sinners, and we all sin all the time. And that's a lie. I said, that's a lie. Jesus went his entire life and never sinned once. Now, almost immediately people respond and go, well, yeah, but that's Jesus. And I'm not Jesus. And what are they implying? They're implying that he was able to do it because of his powers as God. Well, how many understand If he did it as God, and then he expects us to do it as us, that ain't fair. (laughs) Right? That's just not. But look at the text, and you'll see that is not the case. Hebrews 4. Now, you know, I'm using common language, and I'm smiling with you, but uh, those of you who studied, they have whole libraries full of theological studies on this. And denominations fight not just small, large wars over all this stuff. But to me, there's only one authority. One authority, and it's not what you think. It's not what your grandma said. 
It's not what this denomination or that denomination published. It's right here in this book. This is the authority. And if it says it, that's it. We need to accept it and believe it, even if it seems different than how we've thought. If we'll receive it and act on it, it'll make us free. Hebrews 4 and 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that's passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Does it matter what we say? Other translations instead of profession will say confession. Verse 15, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Was he tempted like us? In all points, the Bible said. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. In the time of need. Go back to the second chapter. Second chapter Hebrews and the 17th verse. 2.17 says. Wherefore in all things. How many things? How many points was he tempted like us? In all points. And in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. That's us. That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. And make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted. He is able to succor or to help them that are tempted. If he wasn't tempted like us. Then he's not like us. Hmm? If he was tempted in all points like us, then that's obvious. He became just like us. How could he do that as being God? The scripture talks about he emptied himself. He laid aside his mighty weight and power and glory and became like other men. How could he do that? Well, he can. He did. He didn't stop being God, but he emptied himself. He didn't operate Uh, knowing all things. He didn't operate with all power. He operated like you have to operate. Like I have to operate. But operating as a man, he did not yield to temptation. Proving it could be done. Leaving us an example. Somebody say, he's my hero. hero. (laughs) He should be your ultimate hero. And we should learn how he did it. So we can do it like him. This last verse in another translation. Let me see. It's the uh, uh, the Living Bible. The 18th verse here. Said since he himself has been through suffering and temptation. He knows what it is like when we suffer and are tempted. And he is wonderfully able to help us. Glory to God. He's able to help us. How many understand that when somebody says, nobody knows what I'm going through? Just not true. In most cases, other people have been through it too or worse. But in every case, Jesus went through it. There are no cases. He knows what it's like. He not only knows what it's like to go through it, he knows what it's like to beat it. (laughs) To overcome. To come out triumphant, not fail, not yield. 
If you look up the definition for the word sin, to me one word that describes the different words that are translated is the word failure. Failure. And it really is. It's a failure to stand. It's a failure to resist. It's a failure to control yourself. It's a failure to obey the Lord. It's a failure to walk in the light that you have. And there is no excuse for sin. This is something that's grossly wrong with our modern society. Everybody makes excuses for everything. I shouldn't say everybody. A lot of people make excuses. And all excuses are are different myriad ways of saying it's not my fault. I shouldn't be held responsible. And that is a lie. No one who has ever sinned, and that's everybody except Jesus. No one who has ever sinned was in a case that they couldn't help it. There is no such thing as an irresistible temptation. Doesn't exist. God himself has said he would not allow it. 1 Corinthians 10.13 There's no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. That means other people going through the same thing. But God is faithful. How is he faithful? He will not suffer you. He will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able. Now you, a whole lot of church folk have taken that and twisted around it. And they said, yeah, you know the Bible said God won't put more on you than you can stand. He didn't say that. Some wound up preacher said that. He won't allow you to be what? Tempted above that you're able. What does that mean? Able to what? Above what you're able to resist. You see why I'm quoting this to you? That means there is no such thing. There can be no such thing as an irresistible temptation. You couldn't help it. It was just bigger than you. It just rolled you over. Next thing you know, you had done it and you just hardly knew how it happened. It was just bigger. Bigger than me. Bigger than us. It was just... No, no. The truth is, you could have resisted. You should have. The truth is, you knew it was wrong. (laughs) Everybody who ever sinned, and that's everybody, Everybody. except Jesus. Everybody who's ever sinned knew it was wrong. If you didn't know it was wrong, it couldn't have been a sin. Now the reason I'm touching on some of this, we've already taught on this for hours. But, here he says, that he is wonderfully, how many like that? Wonderfully able to help us when we're tempted. Help us what? Help us fall? Certainly not. Help us what? Help us to resist and overcome and not fail just like he did. Just like our master. Now, uh, the last time we taught on this, we went to uh, Luke 4 and we studied how Jesus was tempted and how he resisted. And we saw that he put his flesh under in other areas. And that helped him when it came time for the bigger temptation. We saw that every time a temptation came up, there was a word. 
that he was able to use to resist the temptation. Wasn't it? And we saw him do that on every occasion. It is written. It is written. And the devil starts quoting scripture trying to trip him up. He said, yeah, but it's also written. And we see that even angels came and helped him and strengthened him to resist the temptation. Stand against it. And so we should be learning from these things how we can do it. And he said, you know, pray that you not be led into temptation. So it's scriptural and right when you're tempted to pray and say, Lord, help me with this. Help me with this. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to yield to the temptation and enter into the temptation. Now let's go on further this evening and I sure could use your help, your faith. Any matter what I'm talking about? Because I got some things that are not uh, milk. Hmm? And if you can't chew them, I'll just have to stop. <laughs> so, how many understand? It's not just our job to believe for us, but for everybody that this will be affected by as well. This goes out all over the world. Was that a yes? You're going to help me? Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you. Just want to make sure on that. <laughs> You're in Hebrews still, aren't you? Hebrews 5, while you're still there so close by. uh, The scripture we just quoted in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. What if you're more able? What if you're less able? How many understand people are at different places in their ability to resist, and of course God knows exactly where you are, and He's not going to allow something that would be too big for you to resist. But if we grow and are fed on the Word and develop over a period of time, we should become more able, able to deal with more, overcome more, resist more, and people might say, well, why would you want to? <laughs> uh, you do. Want to be able. Let me give this to you thinking while we're right here. Sometimes people say, I can't understand how in the world they would do such a thing. I've never even been tempted to do that. They say it as though it's something to be proud of. I've never even been tempted. Well, Jesus was. Was Jesus tempted in all points like as we are talking about all humanity? Is it a sin to be tempted? No. 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 But when people say, I've never even been tempted to do such a thing. They say it with a certain amount of spiritual pride, don't they? Like I am so holy and clean and pure that I'm just above being tempted something like that. Are you saying you're above Jesus? Who was tempted in all points? <laughs> it's ignorance. Let's look at it another way. I've never even been tempted to do that. What does that mean? It could mean, could mean that the Lord knew if you were tempted, you'd just fall. <laughs> And so he hasn't allowed you to be tempted in that area. Y'all see what I'm talking about about tonight? So, 
How many can understand from what we studied last week in Luke 4 when Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days and nights? Was he tempted severely? Was he tested to what limits? How could he have been tempted to that degree? He was able. (laughs) Oh, come on. Can you see it now? He was able to resist to the point the enemy quit. The Bible said the devil ended the temptation and departed from him, not forever, but for a season. Why? He's out. He has done everything he has ever done with any human being that always worked on everybody else since Adam and Eve. And Jesus never gave in. He resisted. He resisted. He stood. He resisted. And having done all to stand, he stood and he didn't change. He was in complete control of the desire of his eyes, the desire of his flesh. He didn't yield to the pride of life. Somebody say, my hero, my my hero. You talk about a superhero. But I'm just drawing attention to his ability to be tempted. In Hebrews 5, are you there? And the 8th verse. Let me read uh, 7. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Now, back up to the... uh, Second chapter again, our text that we read, 2.18, for in that he himself has suffered, but now notice it specifies, suffered what? Suffered being tempted. This is where whole denominations have gotten off and developed doctrines of suffering. And then they try to say, well, we're suffering for Jesus through poverty. We're suffering for the Lord through cancer. We're suffering for the Lord through this tornado. God sent a hurricane to blow our house down. Suffering. But no, he's not talking about suffering destruction. How many understand Jesus said, the thief is the one who comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. Well, is God the thief? Is Jesus the thief? Certainly not. He said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more or super, actually, the Greek says, super abundantly. That's more than, more than enough. Is it God's will for us to have the abundant life? It is. Is he the destroyer? And yet there is a teaching about suffering in the scriptures. And that's what has confused people. And a whole lot of charismatics and word of faith people, they don't even want you to you say the word suffer. <laughs> because to them, you're trying to tell them you have to suffer being sick. You have to suffer being broke. And they found out that's not true. And yet there is a suffering. 
according to the will of God. I'm quoting New Testament scripture. But this would give us enlightenment right here. He suffered what? Being tempted. Now we know he was tempted 40 days and nights in the wilderness. But how many understand that when he was in the, about to be led away, to be scourged and crucified, he was crying. He was sweating blood. Was he suffering? Was it from disease or poverty or malnutrition or storms? He spoke to the storms and calmed the wind and waves. He commanded disease and it left him. Left people all around about him, I'm trying to say. He spoke to demons and they departed. And yet he's suffering here. Suffering what? Suffering being tempted. How many understand you can see him in the garden in these verses right here? Crying and praying unto him that was able to save him from death. What is he tempted? He is tempted not to do this. A lot of folk don't want to look at it. But it's the truth. And that doesn't make him less. It means he really became like us. And what is so amazing is that when some of his own went to defend him and he told them to put up their swords... He said, don't you know, I can call on the Father. He'll give me legions of angels. What restraint it took while you're suffering the pangs of death. And no, all you got to do is open your mouth. And it all quits. He was tempted. I said, he was tempted. He was tempted to call on those angels. He was tempted to not do this. And yet he came back and said, nevertheless, not my will. That proves he was tempted. Doesn't it? Because if it was his will to do it, he'd have said, well, let's go do mine your will. Also proves that the son is not the father. Hmm? Because if he is, he'd have just said, all right, I'm going to go do my will now. (laughs) No. He said, not my will, but yours be done. Was that easy? That was not easy. It was hard. This is submission. True submission. This is obedience. This is not yielding to temptation. Now, with that in mind, go with me over to uh, uh, Genesis, the 22nd chapter, and let's touch on something that if you study this subject thoroughly, it's a question that will come up. And like I said, this is not chocolate milk sermon. (laughs) It's T-bone sermon. Prime rib sermon. Genesis 22, I believe it's verse 1. It came to pass after these things that what? God did what? Tempt Abraham. And it goes on to tell the story about how he was to go offer up his only son. And you know the rest of the story. So the question is, did God tempt Abraham? Well, the Bible says he did. 
And if you look up this word, you'll find the same words also frequently translated test. 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 So temptation is also test. How many remember that in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, after Jesus was baptized in the river Jordan, he came up and spirit came on him in the bodily shape and form as a dove. The spirit, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. Didn't he? So is God allowing at least people to be in positions where they are tempted? Why would he do that? For what purpose? You see what I'm talking about now? T-bone sermon. (laughs) Notice something it did not say. How many remember James that said every person is tempted when they are drawn away of their own desire? But it said, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. And that's why some people look at scriptures like that and say, well, see, this thing contradicts itself. Why are you all so carried away with it? No, it does not. If you just read English and pay attention, you'd see. Was God involved in Abraham being tempted or tested? Yes. In Jesus being tempted or tested. The Spirit of God's one who led him into the wilderness to be tempted. But did God ever tempt Abraham to do something evil or wrong? Was God involved in Jesus being tempted? Was God the Father tempting Jesus to sin? Absolutely not. He cannot himself be tempted with evil, and he has never, will never tempt anybody to sin, to do evil. Do you suppose the enemy was tempting Abraham not to obey God, not to go through with this? And it's obvious we saw detail who was tempting Jesus to disobey the Father. It was the devil. So who is the tempter? To tempt us to do wrong? Never God. Only the enemy. But would God allow testing? Yes. And for what purpose? Well, that's where doctrines go off on a variety of tangents. (laughs) Look with me and you're there in uh, Genesis. Go to Exodus, please. Exodus 16, Exodus the 16th chapter, and the 4th verse. Then said the Lord to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people will go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may what? Prove them what? Prove what? Whether they will walk in my law or no. Now there is a similarity between the word tempt, the word test, the word prove. In fact, sometimes the same original words are translated all three ways. Tempt, say tempt. Tempt. Test. Test. Prove. Prove. 
Well, how many just don't try to get, you know, too into the original languages? If you're being tempted, is something being tested? Yes. <laughs> What's being tested? Are you going to yield or are you not? How many understand in the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created Adam. He created Eve. He created all the wildlife, all the trees. And he created a tree with the knowledge of good and evil and told them, don't mess with this one. (laughs) If we hadn't had that tree out there. Sounds like you could have avoided a whole lot of problems. Just why put that tree out there and say, you can eat of all the trees through the whole garden, but that tree, that one tree, leave that tree alone. Don't eat of that tree. Somebody say test. 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 But it is not like some theologians imply that God is testing us, toying with us. We're his amusement. Mm -mm. No. The truth is, before you can use something for an important purpose, you have to test it. And it has to pass tests. How many would buy a car that has never been tested? It's a brand new engine. It's never been tested. It's never even run. New suspension. Somebody had some ideas. They put her together. It's never even started. It's never ran down the road. Completely untested. You want that car? How many understand, if you go to test it in the driveway and it fails, you best not take it out on the interstate. Airplanes. How many want to fly on an airplane that has never been tested? Never flown. They're loading you up in the back and say, fasten your seatbelt, you want some peanuts? You say, boy, this thing looks brand new. I mean, how many hours on? This is the first flight. This thing's never flown. You mean, you mean it's flown at the factory? No, I mean, this is the first flight. We sure hoping everything's going to be okay. Do you want to be on that first one? Now, tell me what you want. You want them? Now, come on, tell me. If it's going to fly five miles up in the sky, that's a long ways to fall. And it's minus 40 degrees up there, and there's no oxygen up there. If you're going to take off and fly up there, how many want this thing tested? And I mean really tested. You want somebody to pull on those wings and find out exactly what it takes to break them off. You want somebody to run them engines night and day and throw birds through them and and just find out how long will they run. (laughs) Now, for animal activists, dead birds. We're talking about dead, frozen, frozen dead birds. (laughs) And that's what they do. They take uh, 
great big, you know, like these butterball turkeys. And they put them in a cannon and they fire them at the windshield. Why? Because you need to know. You need to know. <laughs> what it's going to take to break that thing. Do you want it tested? You want to feed your babies food that's never been tested, never been examined. You want to put them in car seats or it's never been tested. Or No, you don't. You want stuff tested. In fact, you want it tested to failure. So we'll know what it can take. And before something can be approved, it must be proven. Somebody say proven. Proven. Look in uh, Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8 and 2. Deuteronomy 8 and 2 says, You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to what? Prove you, to test you. In order to find out what? To test for what? To know what was in your heart. Whether you'd keep his commandments or not. How did they do? (laughs) When they put them under testing, when they put them under load, when there was some pressure applied, how'd they do? I mean, God did miracle after miracle after miracle after sign and wonder getting them out of Egypt. And the first time there's no water to drink, it's temptation. It's pressure. How many understand temptation to doubt is temptation? Temptation to be afraid and to worry is temptation. And we need to understand when these things come, this is a test. And we need to pass these tests. Don't we? How'd they do? No water. Oh, man. They forgot every miracle that had happened over the preceding weeks and days. And they started crying and bawling and going, we're all going to die out here in the wilderness. I wish you'd have just left us in Egypt. We were so happy back there then. You know, we had cucumbers and watermelons. and Man. And I guess completely forgot they belonged to somebody else like a cow. Lived in rags in a shack. And were treated like, you know, a donkey. Beat when they didn't produce their quota. And How quickly you can forget. And then, if you look through what happened after he brought them out of uh, Egyptian bondage, there was test after test after test. Wasn't there? There was the manna test. We just got through reading about that. What was the manna test? Okay, I'm going to feed you. But you go out and you gather a certain amount every day. And then on the this day, you gather none. The day before, I'll give you twice as much. So he said, now just gather just what you need for the day. Don't try to store it up. So what they do? They stored it up. <laughs> They're not listening. Then he said, now don't go out on the Sabbath day. So what they do? They went out. They went out. 
And you see, a lot of our society will look at stuff like this going, well, you know, so they made a mistake. They were curious. They wanted to see. They wanted to know. I mean, there's no food out there. I mean, everybody's pretty intense about this. No, no, no. It angered the Lord. And it's why they kept staying out there. And it's why they kept being retested because they kept failing the tests. They were tempted to go out there and look. They should have resisted the temptation and did what the Lord told them to do. They were tempted to try to save it and store it up because they don't know where the next meal is coming from. But he's trying to teach them something. You don't have to know where your next meal is coming from. I'm your next meal. And where this came from is plenty more. And I'll be there tomorrow just like I'm there today. And I'm understand, they're not the only ones that's ever been tested in these areas. All of us are required to live by faith. And when you endeavor to live and walk by faith, you will be tempted to doubt. You'll be tempted to be afraid. You'll be tempted to worry. You'll be tempted to try to take it in your own hands. Fix it yourself and any number of other things. And when you do, you are yielding to temptation. And you are failing tests. And I understand, we've already said, if the car fails in the driveway, what do we know? You cannot do a cross-country trip with this car. (laughs) Hmm? If the airplane barely make it to the end of the runway, (laughs) you best not try to take off, right? You better take that thing, put it back in the barn. And if the Christian keeps yielding the temptation and failing the test, you cannot give them a stronger anointing. You cannot use them in a greater ministry. Hmm? This is what the enemy's tried to obscure. Because he wants everybody to think, well, we all miss it, and we all miss it all the time, and God forgives us, and, you know, that's just the way it is. No, it's not. Far too often that is how it has been. But we need to know we don't have to fail the test. We need to know we can pass the test. And oh, how many remember Jesus was tempted? He was tempted 40 days, 40 nights, and he kept passing the test, passing the test. How many believe he passed that test about turning these stones into bread? Did he pass the test? Did he pass the test about, you know, jumping off the pinnacle of the temple? Did he pass the test about all these kingdoms of the world? Did he pass the test? And then what happened? Then he came out in the power of the Spirit. And he went into the synagogue and taught and preached and demons screamed out. And people were delivered. They were healed. Miracles happened. How many understand? He passed the tests. And he was put into service. Oh, come on. Can you see it? Oh, friend, can you sense the Spirit of God just almost... Trying to break out. He wants to put us into service. He wants to put us into places of greater use. Greater impact and effect. But he can't put something that keeps failing tests. Can't do it. And even being part of a bigger thing. We know it in the world of technology. And in the world of our machinery. I mean so much of our machinery undergoes such intense testing. I mean, such, it's, you know, you know, of course I'm thinking about airplanes, but they take them out in the desert 
to 130 degrees. And they do everything in the world they can to make them overheat. Then they take them up in North Canada in the wintertime. And let them sit out on the ramp all night up in northern Alaska. And then they come try to start them. And some of these parts, they just won't pass. And they do this with them. They do that with them. And they keep. And you want to do that because these planes that you're riding on every day, they had to go through that. But a lot of parts did not make it. So they never got on the plane. Hmm? You're a part. <laughs> I said, you're a part. I'm a part. Of the body of Christ. Hmm? <laughs> Go to Timothy. Hold your place in Deuteronomy 8. I'm not through with that. Second Timothy 2 and 20. Second Timothy 2, 20. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. What does that mean? Well, so in a great house, this would be talking about like a mansion, a castle. There are all kind of articles, furniture, silverware, goldware, all kind of things. And some of the pieces are used for noble purposes and others are ignoble. Some are used in the great room when you have the big parties and they're put up on the mantel. Some are down in the bottom of the bathroom closet. Right? They're all apart. Now keep reading. If a man therefore purge himself from these, that is from the dishonorable stuff, he shall be a vessel unto honor. Do we have anything to do with what kind of vessel we are? He sanctified and meet For what? For what? For the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Can we qualify for a more noble purpose? Can we? How would you do that? Passing tests. Passing tests. Go back to Deuteronomy 8. Let's finish this. Man, this will answer thousands of questions if we'll be open. Deuteronomy 8. He said, verse 3 again, well, excuse me, verse 2, to prove you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandment or no, whether you'd listen, whether you would Obey or disobey. How many understand that same thing happens every time you're tempted? Every time you're tempted, the question is, am I going to obey my desire or am I going to obey God? Am I going to follow what my flesh wants to do even though I know it's wrong? Or am I going to obey the Lord? Romans 6 talks about this. Don't be the servants to sin. Don't yield your members, servants, unto unrighteousness and to sin. But yield your members unto righteousness, unto God. And in so doing, we pass the test. And when we pass the test, we're proven, we're proving He can rely on us. If we don't pass test with $20, somebody would be a fool to give us 2000 
If we don't pass test in the smaller job, it'd be a fool that'd give us a big charge. And yet there's a whole lot of people go, well, no, now if you'd give me something important, I'd straighten up and I'd really get serious. The Lord says you wouldn't. He said if you're unfaithful in the small, you'll be unfaithful in the big. What is that saying? If you don't pass the little test, you don't get to the big test. And that's why I said earlier, we need to be interested in being able to resist bigger and more so we can pass bigger tests, be proven and approved and qualified for bigger jobs. Jesus passed every test and they got bigger and they got bigger and they got harder and they got tougher, and he just kept passing them. And how many stand? He didn't just shoo in because he was the son of the father. He deserves to be where he is. Is that right? He passed tests nobody ever passed. Right? Like the one of going your whole life and never sinning. <laughs> he was pushed to the limits. Of human boundaries. He was tempted. In all points. Like as all humanity has ever been tempted. He passed every test. And how many understand. He has been proven. He has been approved. To be the head of the church. He ought to be the head of the church. Nobody could ever say. Ah Jesus you just put him in there. Because he's your son. You know. (laughs) No. He passed the test. Now, the reason I bring that up is because the enemy would try to say the same thing about you. God loves you. He loves me. But if he just promotes us and uses us, even though we fail tests, then he's unfair. He's unjust. It's not fair to the other people who pass the tests. And not only that, if you can't pass the smaller test, you couldn't handle it if you were given the job. It requires... A certain amount of the discipline required to pass the test qualifies you to handle the job. Can you see why the enemy works so hard tempting everybody all the time? So why would God allow you to be tempted? He doesn't have a right to promote you unless you pass the test. Now get this, get this, get this. He's counting on you passing. He wouldn't have allowed the test unless he knew you could pass. We've already quoted 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He's counting on you passing. The devil's counting on you failing. We've been reading Job, had not we? You get a little behind the scenes look at this, don't you? What's the devil saying? He's going to fail. He's going to fail. You you allow him to be tested some, and I guarantee you he will fall. He'll quit going to church. He will curse you to your face. You watch and see. He's the accuser of the brethren. And all he knows how to say is, fail, fail, fail. They will fail. They will fail. You watch and see. They will fall. They will yield. They'll commit adultery. They'll lie. They'll steal. You just watch. You just watch. They don't have to be tempted much. They'll just watch. But what was God saying about Job? 
Was he saying, yeah, he'll fail. I think so too. No. 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 In fact, can you see after one round of that stuff that he was saying to him, after all this, he said, you notice he still has not denied me. How many understand that's pleasing the Father? What's he saying? You're wrong. You're wrong. They love me. Not because of how much blessing I've given them. They'll love me, blessing or no blessing. They'll love me, new car or old car. They'll love me, mansion or living on the side of the road. They will love me. Easy or hard. Of course, there's only one way to prove that. (laughs) And that's with a, a little challenge. A little test. For you're experiencing something, it's not exactly what you wanted, but <laughs> what you going to do? You're going to fold and quit? You're going to fall and cry? You're going to accuse God of being unfair? What are you going to do? And give the, how many understand how many Christians, bless their hearts, have given the devil satisfaction? He's laughed and said, I told you, I told you, I told you they'd fall. I think no matter how many times you fall, God's still rooting for you. (laughs) And here's the amazing thing. Let's say you failed 43 tests in a row. You are an F student. F for failure. F for falling to every temptation that comes along. And even if the devil gets some temporary pleasure out of that you come to the father and you say I repent I ask you to forgive me I ask you to cleanse me I know I did it but that's not my heart I know I didn't have to but I love you if you'll help me get up out of this I'll believe you to do better the father will cleanse you wash you from all your sins and then you stand there as though you had never sinned before and God is rooting for you Look, they're clean. And they can pass this one too now. He's always rooting for us. If God be for us, who can be against us? Oh, can you see it? Go on over to, uh, uh, let's see, Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles. What we're talking about, does it matter whether we pass these tests or not? Because yes. to hear so many people talk, so much of the church is so worldly, such babies. And people will say, well, you know, okay, so I blew it today. Everybody blows it, you know. I'll just First John 1, 9 it. And they're already planning on doing it again. And they know it's wrong. And what they don't realize is they don't qualify to be put on any ministry machine that's doing work. They're saved. The Lord loves them. But I understand, before you take a weapon into battle, we're sending stuff to our troops in the field. Does somebody just need to have an idea and ship 100,000 cases of it to the soldiers? So y'all try that out. It may hang up. We don't know. You test it for us. 
No, how about you testing in the lab where nobody's shooting at you? You prove it there. So when it gets here, we can rely on it. We can count on it. And they do. They spend all kind of money. There's been some failures here and there, but there's a whole lot of good people. They're there working night and day. Man, they do everything they know to make this stuff break. And they try to imagine every kind of scenario our men or women could be in, in danger and under the gun. And they try to send them something that will hold up under pressure. Has to be tested before it's sent. How many remember David when he was facing Goliath? Remember the story? Saul called him in. When he saw he was going to go for sure, he says, well, here, take my armor. Take my stuff. What did he say? Come on, tell me, what did he say? He said, this is nice stuff, King Saul, but I can't take this. Why? I have not proved it. How many stand in the middle of a war with a nine-foot giant? Ain't time to try out new stuff. Right? Not time to see if it works or not. I know I'm being redundant, but how many know what I'm talking about? God has to be able to count on us. Some things are more important than other things. And before we get the more important jobs, he has to see us pass some tests. And the enemy has said, and popular society has said, oh, we all make mistakes and it ain't no big deal. It is a big deal. If you want to be used of God, if you want to advance, if you want to be a vessel of honor, used for something that matters more, of more importance, you got to pass the tests that other people are failing. Notice this. Second Chronicles 32. This is talking about the king, Hezekiah, who in a lot of ways was a good king, but he made some mistakes. And actually this is where he failed a test and it was a big one. But listen to the language. Second Chronicles 32 and uh, 31. Hezekiah had been sick. I mean, under death, but God had healed him miraculously. And after he was healed, the Bible said in verse 31, Howbeit in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, this is Second Chronicles 32, 31, who sent to him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land, they came to check on him because they heard about the miracle. God left him to try him that he might know all that was in his heart. These kind of verses, faith folk tend to just stay away from. But it's all true. And it's all good. What does that mean? The ESV translation says, God left him to himself in order to test him and to know all that was in his heart. The NET says, God left him alone to test him in order to know his true motives. What were his true motives? When they came, he went into this show-off mode. Anybody read the story? I mean, he traded his best to impress them. 
with everything that God had given him. He tried to play big shot and he showed them all kind of stuff he shouldn't have shown them. And he failed the test. What was in his heart came out when he was tested. The Lord reminded me of parents and children. So many times parents try to control their children so that they can't make any mistakes. Hmm? That's understandable. You love them. You don't want to see them hurt. But they are going to be tested. (laughs) With you or without you, it's going to happen. And you would prefer they learned their lessons on little tests than big ones. So there are some times that you need to leave them alone. And see what they're going to do on their own. And find out who you're dealing with. And no parent wants to admit that their child doesn't have integrity like they should. Or that they'd lie or that they'd yield to a temptation and do what they know is wrong. But uh, when they do, didn't say if. Don't be shocked and fall off your chair because you have done exactly the same thing. And so has everybody in this room. All have sinned. All have overridden what they knew. But they need to learn. I don't mean you, you know, see if a three-year-old will play out in the street by themselves or not. You have to say some of these things. I'm talking about children old enough to understand some things. And in an arena where you say, man, if I don't control them, they're liable to do the wrong thing. They need to do the right thing on their own without you making them do it. And if they won't do it and they fail the test, they need to fail the test and experience failing the test and the repercussions. Do you understand now? And they need to learn that's how God is and that's how life is. That you're for them. You want to see them pass. You don't want to see them fail. You don't want to see them sin. You don't want to see them yield to the temptation. You want to see them pass. And you're pulling for them to pass. That's a picture of the Father God. Every time. And if they don't pass. You won't be pleased. You still love them. You'll forgive them. But you can't promote them to the next level. If you do, you're a fool. Right. Okay. Parents do it all the time. Okay. Kids are failing tests right and left. They just promote them anyway. They just give them the blessings anyway. They're, it's foolish. Okay. And it misrepresents God because he's not going to do it. doesn't do it with us. You must pass tests. And resisting temptation and not giving in and falling is passing the test. And when you pass the test... You overcome the pressure. Let me just read it to you. You qualify. Somebody say qualify. You're proven and you qualify to step into the next thing. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. James talks about this. If I could read it to you. James 1.12. Just stay right where you are. Let me read this to you in closing. James. Uh, well, I'm, st- I'm moving too fast. First Thessalonians 3. 
5 says this. He said, when I could no longer bear it, I sent Timothy to find out whether your faith was still strong. That's the new living. He was concerned that the tempter had gotten the best of you and that our work had been useless. Can you lose things because you yield to temptation? And everything you work for wound up being for nothing? Is that possible? It is, sadly, if you fail the test. But James 1 says this. He said when people, this is the new century, when people are tempted and still continue to grow strong, they should be happy. After they've proved their faith, God will reward them. The complete Jerusalem says after he's passed the test, he'll receive the crown. After he doesn't give in, the living Bible says, when he's tempted, afterwards he gets his reward. Can you see a principle here? You pass the test, what happens? You get rewarded. You pass the test, you get proven, you get promoted. You pass the biggest test, you come out in the power of the Spirit. Oh, glory to God. And you come into a ministry, a life that shakes the world. That's what happened with Jesus. This ideal of being strong and not yielding has not been held up like it should be. It has not been desired. It has not been sought after. Instead, people have preached to each other, we're only human. I'm just a man. We all fall. We all fail so many times. And every day in every way, just pitiful, little weak failures. God loves us, but you couldn't bolt it onto any kind of machine. You couldn't trust it to get out of the driveway. Why? It's already failed three times this morning. You going to take it across the ocean? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, but friend, when it's been tempted, when the pressure's been on, and it's there, and it starts every time, and it shows up every time, and it's the same day in, day out. Come on now. And it'll believe God when it feels good. It'll believe God when it feels bad. It talks the Word no matter how much time. This is something you can bolt on the machine that crosses the sky. This is something that you can take across the world. This is something God Himself can depend on when He needs a big job done. Something that'll hold up under pressure. Somebody like you. (laughs) Somebody like you. Hallelujah. Everybody stand on your feet. Singers and players come. Begin to play softly. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.